0: If you will open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, this is I think one of my, I like this chapter a lot for missions, Uh, I like this passage that we're going to read verse 35 to verse 38, so 35 to the end of the chapter verse 38. Matthew 9:35 The Bible says, "And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labourers are few; pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth" laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Our oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for this week that we get to be here in your house every evening, Father. And I thank you for everybody that gave up their time to be here and gave up different things that are important in their life, Father, to be here. And I pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts tonight. Lord, you've been working in hearts all week. If there's anybody here that's holding out, I pray that they would give in tonight. Father, I pray that you take this time of preaching, that you would Help me to say only that which you've laid on my heart to say. And Father, that you would please bless the preaching of your word, that it would speak to us. Father, that we would put it in practice in our lives. And Lord, above all, I ask if there's somebody here that's not saved, Father, don't let them leave here tonight without being sure that they're saved, Father. Continue to work, we pray. We ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, as usual, I am very nervous. I don't think, as, as many times I've preached here, I don't think that has changed at all. But I am always excited for the opportunity to preach. And this has been a great week. This has been a week where God, since the beginning, has just been really working in my heart. And I praise the Lord for it. It has been a very good week. How many here, and I don't want to hear your decision, but how many have made a decision for the Lord this week? And I raise my hand. It has been a very good week. And as I've sat in the pew and I've listened to a good sermon after another good sermon, the Lord has continued to work in my heart and continue to show me areas where I am lacking. And so the message tonight is kind of directed at Nathan. But I believe this is what the Lord would have us here tonight. But this, this has been a, a good week. And it's been a great missions conference. Amen? Amen? But as I'm thinking about that and as I'm listening to the Lord speak to my heart, my heart's getting heavy because this has been a great missions conference. Last year was a great missions conference. And as I look at my life from last year to this year, to be completely honest, the decisions I made for the Lord, and as much as I was influenced and affected by the missions conference, it quickly wore off after the missions conference. And I don't know about you, but I am so tired of that happening in my life. We have great meetings. God works. And come Sunday, 50% of us will have forgotten what we, what we dedicated to the Lord this week. Two weeks from now, probably nobody will remember what we have dedicated to the Lord. Why are the effects so short-lived in our lives? Take any major event in our church. Take the church camp. I remember as I was a teenager, we would go to camp, and it was a fantastic time. It really was. And that's really where God got a hold of my heart when I said I was 15 and I finally gave my life to the Lord. It was at church camp. That is one thing that took hold of my life. But I made a bunch of decisions at church camp, and they lasted not long at all. And as I sat there and I thought, I believe each decision was of the Lord. I believe it's exactly what God was speaking to my heart about. And I just thought, man, I am so tired of coasting in my spiritual life. And here we've gotten to the end, the last service of a great missions conference. And we're about to do the same thing again. And you know who's affected by that? By our lack of fire, our lack of zeal, our lack of dedication to the Lord? It's us, but it's not just us. It's the meeting that we're having on the world. I went even further back as I'm sitting there. and I told you this was a rough week for me. Because in 2008, my dad and our family came up. We traveled for a year on furlough. My dad's last furlough that I was with as a family. And then I stayed here to go to Bible college. So I stayed basically from 2008 and we went to Brazil in July of 2018 as missionaries. So I was here basically 10 years. They were great years. I got to live with Pastor Miss Allison. I praise the Lord for them. They were great years. But as I look back on Nate's life then, I was busy. I was involved in anything I could be. But you know, when I look at my life there, I didn't leave any young Nathan Christians behind. I can't ask anybody to stand up tonight that I won during the 10 years I was here. And here we're getting close to going back to Brazil. And our hearts desire is to see God do a great work. What's the key? I don't want to get there and not do anything for God. So jump forward. We got here in April. or we right around there. We were here at Missions Conference last year. My family and I have brought nobody new to the church in a year. So if church growth and church life was based off of my ministry this last year, it would be dead. Understand this, again, this is a hard message, but this was for me this week. We're talking about lives. We're talking about missions. So that means when I leave here, I have to live it. Amen? It has to be utmost in my life. And so here we have a a passage in the Bible, which I love. It's a great passage. We have this this particular passage, this chapter, chapter 9 of Matthew, is just full of events. And I'll just read them off real fast. I mean, we're not going to read the chapter. But here in the beginning we see that Christ heals a man sick of palsy. Not only heals him, but he is saved as well. And then he calls Matthew. And then right after that he sits down to eat with publicans and sinners. Which is, that really made the... Uh, Pharisees mad, but isn't that exactly what we're supposed to be doing? Going to them and preaching to them. Amen. And that's what Christ was doing. After that, he heals the lady that had an issue of blood for 12 years. We remember the story. Right after that, during that transition, he gets to Jairus' house and he brings his daughter back to life. Heals his daughter. Then right after that, two blind men are following him. And he heals the blind men, and they go about telling everywhere what Christ has done for them. Then he heals and casts out the devil of a dumb man. And then we get to the verse 35, and this is what Christ has been doing the whole time. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So this, is this, we're seeing Christ's heart, his love, his desire, His passion, our souls. Amen? Don't go to sleep on me yet. Amen? Amen. This is Christ's passion. Then you get to verse 36, which to me is a very sad verse. Because through all of this, who has been traveling with Him? The disciples. Amen? We are Christ's followers, His disciples as well. But when He saw the multitudes, verse 36, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, and we're scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know what this verse should say? It should say, and when they saw the multitudes, they were moved with compassion. And as I read this passage, and I remember the first time I was preparing for missions message, I believe this was the first passage I preached out of, and it hit me. How in the world could the disciples be with Him for so long and have so many events just in that one chapter that shows exactly what Christ's heart is about, why He's here. Obviously, He won them, which proved again His love for them. How could they miss that? I would like to stand here and say, well, if I were there, I would have seen it. But I see it every time I read any portion of God's Word. In my life, is the same thing as the disciples. I'm not very moved with compassion for the lost. That's the truth. See, many times I think we confuse compassion with empathy. Because empathy means, hey, I empathize, I can feel what you're feeling, I understand what you're going through, but that's as far as it goes. Compassion means you do know what they're going through. You feel their pain. You understand where they're at, and then it spurs you to do something for them. And we cannot confuse those two things. But real quick tonight, I believe this is something that I needed in my life. I believe the reason that we all miss it and that they missed it is that we really really don't know Christ like we should know him. We have a lack of, if you would like to put it this way, love or passion for God so that we can think like God. You know, men of old that did great things for God, they were men of great passion and great zeal for God. I ran across some quotes this week while I was studying. John Wesley said, and you might have heard this quote, it was new to me. Uh, Not this first one, the second one. But his first quote was, Uh, John Wesley was asked how he attracted great crowds, and he said, I set myself on fire, and the people come to see me burn. Amen. Set yourself on fire for God, and people will come see you burn. John Wesley also said, if I had 300 men, listen, who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I would set the world on fire. Do you understand how foreign that thought is to us today? And it should not be. We are considered one of the more blessed and one of the more traditional churches in America. Amen? And can I say this tonight? I should have started with this. There is not a church on the planet that I love more than Madison Baptist Church. But I would like to see Madison continue on for decades to come. I don't know if the other missionaries are like this, but I always fear leaving. Because I would hate to come back and Madison have changed while we were gone. We have to say the same. Amen. We need to on the field. But we need our church to keep doing what they're supposed to be doing here. It's amazing. You can, you can tell somebody that has zeal or a passion immediately, right? In any, in any area of life. If somebody's passionate about football, what are they going to talk about? Football, okay? Enough said. But I remember, I think this was 2005. I'm going to tell him, Brother Andrew Brown, real, real quick. But I think it was 2005 because I was still a teenager and had, we had gone out on soul winning with the teens. And uh, my soul winning partner was Andrew Brown. I didn't know him too well then. Um, uh, but Andrew Brown, if you knew him, if you know him at all, he's very, he's, has a zeal for the Lord and especially soul winning. That man loves the soul win. I, I still haven't reached anywhere close to where he's at on that, but it's something to work for. So we're out soul winning. We were dropped off on a, on a street and we were supposed to go to each house and we were supposed to be passing out tractors people to church. Well, so we get to this one house. And so I think Andrew, maybe it was 12. He'd just or whatever age you can just get into the teenagers here. Is it 12 or 13? 13? I don't know. Anyway, we were young. He was younger than me. And so we come up to this driveway, and the, their garage door is halfway closed. But we can tell there are guys, there are men inside the garage. And Andrew's like, well, I'm going to go in there. And I said, Andrew, why are we going in there? It's half closed. That means they don't want anybody coming in. If they wanted us in, it'd be open. And he's like, well, I'm going to go in there. They need to get a track. Um, all right, this is your house, so good luck. So he goes under. And I thought, well, I should probably go with him. So I go under, too. So we get in there, and there are five men sitting, now staring at us. And they're all drinking. And this is Andrew's intro. Did y'all know the Bible says that drinking's wrong? <laughs> I was real close to backing out, <laughs> but he went too far in, so we stayed. And actually, um, he ended up presenting the gospel to all five men, because I think they were shocked that a little, <laughs> little man would come in and say, in their house, you know, drinking's wrong. <laughs> God used them. This world needs more people like that. We wonder why we're losing our teenagers. We wonder why we're losing our young adults. We wonder why we're losing a lot of people. I think one big reason is that we have no zeal, no passion. We demonstrate no love for God anymore. And you know what they're migrating to? Somewhere that they have passion and they find a cause. And we sit here and we think, oh, They're wrong. They are wrong, but we are too, because we should be here and we should be on fire for the Lord, and they should look at that and say, whoa, I want some of that. I cannot tell you right now how many people, there are a few, but not many people in my life that I can look at and look back and say, that person was on fire for God, because we're all, and I put myself there, we're all kind of coasting. Spiritually. And as I look at the precious kids my, my Savior has given me, I don't want to be a dad that's coasting in my spiritual life. I don't want to be content to just check the, the boxes that I'm doing this and this and that. I want to have a passion for God. As I said many times, I'm tired of not having it. I'm tired of fizzing out, fizzling, fizzling out right after a very good meeting and going back to what I have been the last six months. So, as we look at this passage, the disciples weren't any different. They're right there with Christ. They're looking, they're seeing. And when Christ looks at the multitude where we should all be looking, and if we truly looked at these flags and realized how many people these flags represent, And I wanted to, but I didn't know if it would be possible. And then I I forgot about it. But I wanted to put a counter up here of how many people have passed into eternity since we started the missions conference. And you can bet that maybe like 98, 99% of those people have gone into eternity without having Christ as their Savior. And that is the express reason we are here on earth. is so that we don't allow them to go to a place called hell without hearing of Jesus Christ. Then it's their decision. But you know what? Nathan Nichols for too long has gotten used to our mediocre Christianity that we have. I don't leave my house knowing that maybe right now God's going to give me somebody to talk to. Not maybe. How can I not talk to somebody when I leave my house? There's about a 99.9999% chance that they're not saved. I sat down and I was trying to think of how I could figure this out, trying to figure out how many people do I think do our independent Baptist churches in Brazil have? Brazil has maybe 220,000 million people right now. And I think, and I don't know, this is just a Nathan statistic, okay, so it's probably wrong. If it was a Kate statistic, it would be right. (laughs) But I don't think we have 100,000 saved people in Brazil. Definitely not 100,000 in independent Baptist churches. Do we truly believe that we have the truth of God's word? Do we truly believe we're right? Then my next question is, what are we doing? Why have we become satisfied? A large church in Brazil would be 100 members. Why is that the large church in Brazil? Oh, it's just a hard mission field. Is it? Or is it because God's people are on fire for God? And that's all God will bless with my mediocre Christianity. I believe we truly, truly, truly lack a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without a passion for Christ, we will not have compassion for the lost. And it's interesting. Obviously, I'm butchering the English here. But passion is in compassion. Amen? It's the last part of that. And so if we don't have passion for Christ a passion for Christ. We will not have compassion for the lost. So real quick, I'll, I'll, I'll be through quickly this evening. First, I believe that for us to be able to have compassion for souls like Christ does, but have not only just compassion today, but a compassion that lasts the rest of our lives. A desire to see souls saved. Actually, a burning desire to see souls saved. Amen? It is only by God's grace that Nathan Nichols was born into the Nichols family. Had God decided something different, I could be one of the people that died this week and went to hell. And I would be burning there for an eternity, wishing that somebody like us had gone and told me about Jesus Christ. See, I'm a product of missions. We all are. But I believe first we need to have a love or a passion for our Savior, as I said. We get that by spending time in prayer with God. I was trying to think through this week, how how can I change this in my life? Because I have studied God's word. I read God's word. I do spend time in prayer. But I don't feel like I am passionate right now for Christ as I should be. I'm definitely not as passionate for Christ as John Wesley was. And you know, I think he was totally right. If he had 300 men the way he said he wanted them, he would have set the world on fire. We have way more than 300 here tonight. If we all caught the vision of living 100% for our Lord and falling in love with the Lord again, we could set Madison, Alabama on fire for the Lord. Spending time in prayer. We believe that prayer is how we get God's power. Amen? Great men of God, you look at their life, you see how God used them and moved in the, the people they were speaking to. There's a common denominator in all of them, and it is what? Prayer. Amen? They spent a lot of time in prayer themselves, and they had a lot of time praying for them. A lot, of, a lot of people praying for them all the time. And God blessed richly in their ministries. But I have to say that Nathan Nichols spends a very small portion of time in prayer, unfortunately. So we are a lot of contradictions, are we not? We believe that the gospel is the only way, yet we share it little. We believe prayer is the way to get God's power in our life, And yet we pray very little. I started thinking about this. Pastor is a good pastor, amen? Amen. Amen. Who agrees that he preaches great sermons? But who took time, took time. And I put myself right here, okay? I'm telling on myself tonight. When was the last time you took time before coming to church? That day, you spent time praying and saying, God, pastor's going to preach tonight. Fill him with your spirit. But more than that, work in my heart. Get out the things that are in my life. That's not going to allow me to listen tonight. Get out my pride and my selfishness and let the word of God speak to me and change me so that I can leave different. No, no, no. Because we think pastor's duty is to change me, right? Pastor needs to preach a good message so I can leave here changed. No. We are to be good stewards of God's word. Amen. And if we truly believe that prayer changes things like we know it does, then we should use it a lot more. How do we pray for our missionaries? You know what we pray? We pray in generalities. It's very broad. But you know what I would love after spending a term in Brazil? I would love that people would pray for me specifically for certain specific things because we saw God work through prayer. I don't have time to share, but just my daughter is a miracle of God through prayer. When Madison Baptist Church prayed, was the first week that my daughter developed more in the womb. So you see, I believe in prayer. But I'm not using prayer as I should. We believe in a lot of things. But it doesn't mean we're doing them right. Imagine what would happen in each of these missionaries' lives if we as a church, and I include myself because I'm part of Madison Baptist Church, amen, and I can't be where they're at, and I can't be here. So when I'm in Brazil, I should be praying for you. When I'm in Brazil, you should be praying for me. And we should be praying for every one of our missionaries, specifically that God will work in their lives and work through their lives, that God will keep them safe, keep them from sin, so many other things But you know what I do is too many times? I say, bless the Ingrams in Brazil. Provide for their needs. Amen. And I check the box. I pray for the missionaries. Is that really what God would have us do? This is just prayer. You know, in spending time with prayer, we start to see God's heart. We start to get to know God better. You can't spend time with God and not know God better. You can't spend time with God and not have God work in your life. And again, I'm tattling on myself because this is what I want for my life. I want God to have my life. Not only spend time in prayer, and we can see various verses on prayer, but you all know the verses. Colossians 4.2, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Colossians says, continue in prayer. And then Luke 18, just a few verses. The parable was about the necessity for praying always. God wants us to pray. And what's amazing to me, God wants to hear our prayers. He wants to hear from us. And so why don't we do it? The second thing would be to spend time in God's word. We are not going to see God's heart. We're not going to know what God wants us to do if we're not spending time in God's word. I remember a while back, I like statistics. I had read that the average Christian spends five minutes or less in God's word every day. And as I've traveled, I would say less. The average pastor, they said, now spends about 15 to 20 minutes in God's word a day. And that's the man of God that is pastoring those people. As we look at our country, as I look at Brazil, and I look at the mess it's in, I want to say, well, these are the last times. And they are the last times. But understand, we've been in last times a long time. And it could be another long time. And you say, well, men's heart, the Bible says they're going to grow cold. Yes, but not yours. Not mine. But it has. And we've become, we've accepted it as the norm. This is just what happens. No, it's not what happens. It's what we've allowed to happen. And I don't think God's sitting in heaven pleased with us saying we're doing a good job because I believe there's a lot more that we can be doing. But it comes by knowing God, by studying God's Word, by knowing the Scripture. And that's from any age, amen? That means from kids all the way to very mature people, amen? We need to know God's Word. And I would say, continue on. Uh, Ephesians, 2, 2 Timothy 3.16 is a great verse, why we should know God's Word, amen? So we can be good stewards of God's Word. Not only that, spend time in prayer, spend time knowing God's word, spend time in God's word, but we should spend time obeying God because it's in the obedience of the Lord that we understand why we're supposed to do some things. Amen. But the problem is, I see, I grew up in a Christian home. I never, praise the Lord, went off into sin, but I am plenty of a sinner. But I know God's word. Because of my parents, and I I praise the Lord for that. But I still don't obey God's word as I should. But if I know God's word and then obey God's word, then I started to understand, especially here at college, why I had to do certain things. Because it finally made sense. So we should spend time in prayer and God's Word and obeying God. And that is so that we can have a love or passion for our Savior. Not only that. But along with having a passion for God, then we should make sure that we have no other side passions that are keeping us from loving God. Amen. If you're like me, you're busy. You have a lot of things you're doing. Some days are busier than others. And it divides our attention. But here's the order that it should come in. God. And then everything else. And that's just not church days. That's just not when Nate's going to get up and preach days. It's every day of our life. God first, and then everything else falls after that. Here's what I've come to understand, and I'm trying to live it this way. But if I don't love God above all things, then that means that my love is a fake love. It's not a full love because it's not correct. And that means my love for my wife suffers. My love for my kids, who I love dearly, suffers. My love for you suffers and so on and so forth. You understand? Every relationship I have suffers because God's not in first place. God saved us. He bought us for with a price. He should be first place in our life. Amen? And yet, too many times, He's maybe third or fourth or fifth if we even remember that we're saved. So make sure, if we want to have a passion for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, That we clear out all other distractions, all other passions, because you can't serve two masters. I cannot serve two masters. We're almost done. The last thing, the last point would be this, and we're going to come back to the passage to our text here in a second, but I believe we should make it a priority in our life, every day of our life. Here's an idea that I had for myself, and I'll share it with you. Maybe it'll be a blessing to you. But now, from now on, Every decision that I come down here at the altar and I tell the Lord about, I'm going to write down on a piece of paper. And I'm going to put it up beside my mirror, which I do look at once a day at least, so that I remember what I promised the Lord to do. Because as I said, I'm tired of promising God that I'm going to do this and this and this. And then once that emotion has worn off, I go back to not doing it. But you know who doesn't forget that? God and you know who I should love above all and I should be willing to do anything for God and you know how much that must hurt him we must make it a top priority in our life to fall in love with God every day of our life is that not the example that Paul gave us there ever was a man that could not humanly speaking, have served God it was Paul and yet, Paul, I believe, is one of the greatest examples of a man who was on fire for God his whole life until God took him home. And as I look at my life and what I've done, I'm about to go to Brazil. God's led us to a city of 34,000 people that need to be saved. I don't want to be complacent or coasting, I don't want to have a predetermined mindset to think that, oh, my first service can be 10 people. When God could give me 50 people, if I were on fire for him and I would let God work through my life and I would be out there soul winning and winning people to the Lord. I don't want to think that, hey, in a year from now, four years from now, when the church is a good church, it's going to have 100 people. Why can't it have 300 people? My God is the same God that saved 3000 people. Amen. In one day. Can he not do the same thing today? I don't know. I just have sat there and I thought, man, Nathan Nichols has has put God in a little box and what God can do and can't do anymore. But I serve an almighty God that can do anything he wants to do. What's changed is me. I love my church. I'm tired of seeing teenagers, young adults, and people leave the church and go off into the world. We can do something about that. We can get on fire for God. Stop playing church. Stop warming the pews. We can all get on fire for the Lord. Imagine if everybody purposed in their heart this year, every family, to bring one person that is attending Madison Baptist Church by the end of the year. We'd have to build another auditorium next year. What a great problem but we've gone we begun. we become okay with this and this is great i'm not saying this is bad understand but god can do so much more we serve the god of the impossible and here's a here's a fact i'm not going to be around forever my dad when we were in his ministry he had us leading singing he had us playing the guitar or play, um being youth pastor, and every time I wanted to move out of a ministry, Dad said, that's fine, you can leave the ministry, that ministry that you're in, if you're leading the singing. He said, but you have to raise up somebody to take your place. He said, I'm not going to do it. You go get somebody. If there's nobody in the church that can do it, you go win somebody, but you teach them how to lead music, and then they can take over for you. That's a great principle to have, amen? We won't be here forever, so we should have one somebody to take our place. And many somebodies, Amen? And as I said tonight as I look back on my life I didn't do it. But I'm not in Brazil yet. There's plenty of people here in Madison that need to be saved. They need to hear the gospel and they're waiting. We would like Kate and I would like to bring somebody. We're going to do our best to be attending Madison Baptist Church by the time we go back to Brazil. Cause, and I know maybe somebody's going to think, well, Nate's being all arrogant. No, that's the least I can do for the Lord. Amen? Back to our text. He says in verse 37, Then he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Verse 37 says, the harvest truly is plenteous. That has not changed. Amen. Amen. There are billions of people that need to hear the gospel that are ready to be saved. He also says, but the laborers are few. That is not a commandment. It doesn't mean it has to be that way. It is that way, but it does not have to be that way. We are all laborers in this harvest. You know what happens, just taking the example, it's not Bible, but John Wesley, if you set yourself on fire in the middle of a wheat field, it would quickly catch on fire. same principle applies. If we set on fire with the Lord and you're around people, you can't help but talk about God. And people are thirsty, they're hungry for God. No matter how pious our country is, no matter how much we are focused on money and other things, there is still a desire in mankind to have God. There is a hole in each one of us prior to salvation that only God can fill. And there are people waiting. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. But there are plenty of laborers here that could be doing that. Amen? And then he says in verse 38, Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's us. Amen? But be praying about it. Let God work in your heart. Tonight, I didn't I know I could come up and say, if I were to title the message, I didn't title the message. It's just from my heart to your heart. I love this church. We have had a great meeting. God has really spoken to my heart. Come Sunday, I want it to be just as real as it is tonight. A year from now. I want it to be just as real as it is right now. We have the opportunity to do something great for the Lord. Times are bleak. The world is dark. But we serve a God of light. And He has not lost His power, but His church has lost their vision. So what are we going to do with this week that God has moved and worked? Are we going to let it be like every other meeting where we have a slight change, but nothing really changes? Are we going to say, as a church, as the group in the upper room that prayed until the Holy Spirit descended, are we going to say, hey, we're tired of the same old, same old. We want God to work. Let's get busy for the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that gives us so many chances to get up, shake off the dust. And get going again. And Lord, that's what I'm doing tonight. I would like to get up and serve you, Father. And that leads to compassion for souls and souls being saved. And Father, a great harvest of people for you. Lord, please use us this year. Please help the decisions and the fires that were lit to not die out. But to continue growing and light others on fire for you, Father. Please help us to get a vision of seeing what you truly can do through our lives, Father. I pray that you continue to work in each heart, continue to work in my heart. And, Lord, if somebody's here that's not saved, you would also, I didn't speak much on it, but, Father, if you would just convict them of their sin and their need of salvation, don't let them leave tonight without being saved. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. We ask this in your name. Amen. Pastor.